It's almost like there's some kind of shame around it. Like somehow I'm not enough of a woman or my husband's not enough of a man to create a family. So why would we tell people about it? So I think talking to others about it that know what you're going through has been one of the most um, like healing and sustaining things for me. Hey friends, welcome to the Yet We Thrive podcast. We're your hosts, Jessica and Lindsay. Even though we are all part of this club that we never intended to sign up for, we're so glad you're here. We are a community for women who have lost babies or have struggled to get pregnant. And we're here to help you thrive, even in the midst of these impossible circumstances. So join us as we show you practical and sometimes unconventional ways every week for how to thrive in this one crazy life. All right, welcome back to the Yet We Thrive podcast. Last week, we talked with Shara and just her communication with her husband with infertility. And this week, we get to hear her full story. So Shara, share with us something that is frustrating to you right now and something that's bringing you joy. I mean, honestly, one thing that's been tough just the last few months is trying to figure out where we're going to go from here. Mm. And what does that look like? And how much money is that going to cost? So that's been definitely on my heart a lot so frustrating yes very much so um so yeah that's that's definitely been frustrating but I think you know I'm also finding joy in that there's still there's still hope there's still somewhere Mm -hmm. to go from here Mm -hmm. I haven't run out of options it's not like I'm you know Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't have the like feeling that I'm never going to be a mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, there's still something there. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's a great joy. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, my frustration, my almost three-year-old just started phasing out his naps this week <laughs> and I'm real tired. <laughs> oh, man. So tired. But um, we've had some really great weather this week. Yes. It's been cold, but it's been sunny and beautiful. So we've been going out and walking every day. Mm-hmm. And that has brought me a lot of joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, something frustrating to me is my dang floors. <laughs> <laughs> we moved in our house, uh, let's see, two years ago this month and we replaced our floors, but I don't think the house had time to settle. So right now oh, we're no. noticing some of our floors like popping up. Oh no. Um, and I'm just kind of over it. At first I was like, eh, but now I'm like, that's all I can like focus on right now. No. <laughs> so, uh, that's frustrating. And something yes. that's bringing me joy. Um, we just started, I homeschool our three kids and we started a new spelling and math program oh, and yeah. it has made a world of a difference in our day. And it's just it's so much smoother and mm. I feel like they're just picking up on it really well. And so anything that brings my day joy yes. <laughs> and smooth, it's amazing. So yeah, yeah, it's been good. At least your schooling will be nice and smooth, even if your floors aren't. Exactly. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> oh. Well, I'm Shara and I am married to Zach. Um, we've been together for a very long time. We met working together at McDonald's when we were both in high school Um, And we started dating when he was 18 and I was 16. And we've been together since then. We had a a brief stint of a breakup when I went off to college because I thought I needed to be single. And then I realized (laughs) the error of my ways. (laughs) And so we threw all my college friends for a loop because I went on Christmas break single and came back with a ring on my finger. (laughs) And they were like, what happened in the last Uh, month? And I was like, well... (laughs) <laughs> here we are things so, happened yes <laughs> so we got married in in June of 2009 and um, I was in nursing school at the time 
So I had a couple years left before I graduated, and I knew that I was planning on going straight into grad school to become a midwife. So I've known since I was a little girl that that's what God called me to do. And so I had goals, and I was like, let's not bring a baby into this yet. Mm -hmm. So in 2013, I was about a year and a half away from graduation with my master's degree, and I thought, this is probably not a bad time. If I get pregnant right away, it might not be the most convenient, but it's still, you know, I was ready, and um, I had had an IUD in for five years at that point, so it was time for it to come out, and I was like, mm-hmm. Okay, let's just do this. And so Zach was very not ready at that point. (laughs) He was like, "Uh, okay, I mean, I guess. So I got it taken out, and then pretty much right away Mm -hmm. um, we started trying. So I got my first period in, like, March of 2013. And since then, we've been trying to have a baby. Wow. That's a long Long time. time. Yeah. Okay, so you're a midwife. I am. Yes, Mm -hmm. and you love it. I do. You're so good at it. Shara was my doula for my last two that I delivered. And it was amazing having her in the room with me. She's awesome. And I was, if I didn't have the history that I had with weird, complicated pregnancies, mm. Cheryl would for sure have been my midwife. <laughs> so <laughs> I would have awesome. loved that. But yeah. I actually got to be at my youngest sister's birth when I was 12. Aww. And it was just an amazing experience. Mm. Um, my mom had been pregnant like my whole childhood. I have seven younger siblings. So there's wow. a total of 10 of us kids all together. And so just kind of being there when my mom was pregnant and mm-hmm. always being kind of interested in that process. And then finally, when my youngest sister was born, they let me be there. And so, so yeah, it was the most amazing thing. Just watching that little baby come into the world and take her first breath. And mm-hmm. wow, she's going to be 20 soon. And I'm like, how, wow. how in the world? <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, um, but yeah, it was just life changing for me. Wow. Too. So here you are delivering Lots of babies, yes, and you're longing to have one yourself. Yeah. How do you? Because you're human, so how yeah. do you do that every day and hold yourself together? Yeah, how do you process all of that? <laughs> well, it looks different from day to day. So there's sometimes that like I'm just so wrapped up in it that I don't even think about it. I'm just like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, you know, in tune with what my, my patient needs and taking care of her and I'm not thinking about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those days are good. Cause it's just like, this is exciting. I'm so excited for my families. Like I, you know, sometimes I get to deliver two or three babies for the same mom and oh, that's wow. just like that's really so cool. Amazing. And so those kinds of things, like, I just feel like I'm lit up from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Like it's just so, so good. Um, But there's been some hard ones. Like, so, you know, Zach and I, of course, in the eight years we've been trying, have Mm -hmm. picked out names that we want to name our children. Mm. And I've had several babies that I've delivered Mm. that were named what my children would be named. And so those ones are hard um, because it's like, you know, could that be me? Mm. Yeah. You know, delivering my baby. Oh, man. And so, um, yeah, those are hard. There's been several times that I've delivered a baby and walked out and just Mm. cried in the nurse's station or out in the hallway or back in my call room. Cause it's just like this, this could Mm -hmm. be me and it's not. Um, so those ones are definitely harder. And you know, I never, I never tell my patients that cause I don't ever want them to feel guilty that like, you know, it's not like you stole my baby's name. It's just like, you know, 
This is just another reminder. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so those those ones are probably the hardest ones for me. Um, but still, it's just, I mean, I still have so much joy for them. Like the, the thing that helps me the most is focusing on them instead of me. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I love midwife. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. But you know, I I love my patients. I love getting to know them during their pregnancies. And Mm -hmm. it's just, there's, there's certain people, especially that, that just like Mm. I've developed a connection with, and there's just something so special about walking through that. Like with Lindsay, when I was able to be there with um, her labor with, with her last two, just, you know, there's just something about knowing somebody mm-hmm. pretty well mm-hmm. and yeah. being able to be with them when their life transforms like it's yeah. such a cool thing um and so that you know that keeps me going it keeps yeah. me mm-hmm. able to do it um and recently I've started especially in the last couple of years really working with people to um help them to get pregnant mm-hmm. so I've started learning what I need to learn about the medications that they need to take and the testing that they need to do okay. and trying to identify issues if there are any and if it's beyond my scope then I can refer them on but if mm. it's something I can help them with so mm. I had somebody recently I'd, I'd probably um obviously I'm not going to share any information about her but I've been working with her for about a year mm-hmm. and she just found out that she's pregnant and I just was so excited it was like this wow. is so great like yeah. you yeah. know she's been trying so hard and you know it finally worked and so to be able to be a part of that for other women is just really it's life-giving mm-hmm. to me because it gives me the hope that someday it might be mm-hmm. my turn right um wow so wow yeah well I know I've we've talked about before too you know in our our group of friends, Sharon and I have been friends for a long time and we've had the same group of friends for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And we all, most of us started trying to get pregnant before you were even trying. Yes. But then those timelines did overlap mm-hmm. where we were still having babies and she was not able to have mm-hmm. babies. And I know that was like heart wrenching for all of us. And yeah. I know more than once everybody was like, I, I wish it could be your turn yeah. instead of mine. Yeah. But as we would sit there and share our birth stories, it just was blew me away how many birth stories you have because and they're they're not yours in the sense that like you gave the birth but like they happened because you were there Mm -hmm. and they were good and they were amazing because you were there and we all just eat those stories up just like I had this mom this one time that this happened and yeah just that's part of your story too and it's amazing that you it's a gift for your patients Mm-hmm. that you get to be a part of their birth story because yeah. it, it's just amazing. It's just a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> it's such an honor to me because you think about like how important a birth is in a woman's life. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there's nothing else to call it but transformative. Like your, yeah. your life changes, you change. Uh-huh. And for me to be able to be witness to that mm-hmm. and not only witnessing it, but like actively participating mm-hmm. and making sure that it goes as well as it possibly can and, mm-hmm. you know, if it means like rubbing her back or, you know, her feet or holding her hand or just mm-hmm. talking her through contractions or mm-hmm. whatever that means. If it's holding her while she gets an epidural and then just like cheering her on as she's pushing, like any mm-hmm. of those things, like I get to do that. And that's pretty good. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And and so it, it is. It's such an honor to be able to do that. So just going back a little bit um, with infertility, do your doctors say like, because I know last um, episode you talked about having to do with Zach Mm -hmm. like do they know 
what maybe is preventing or is it just like, well, we don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So we are lucky enough to know what's going on, but also like unfortunate enough to have multiple factors going on. So when we first started trying to figure out the issue, the very first thing that we did was um, some lab work for me that was all normal. So we were like, okay, this is good. But then we had Zach do um, a semen analysis and um, my doctor came in and we work in the same office so she just oh, walked, there you go. walked across <laughs> to my door hey, and was Shara. like here you go um this is what's going on like his sperm counts are low and his motility is low so the sperm aren't really getting where they need to be so that's you know it's a pretty mm-hmm. solid explanation and so we we went with that like kind of as our you know this is our diagnosis this is what we're working with and kind of stopped looking into mm-hmm. anything for me for the next couple of years um he had surgery to correct. He had um, something called varicoceles, which is basically um, varicose veins around the scrotum, which causes um, oh, wow. extra heat and it decreases the um, quality and amount of sperm. And so um, he had surgery to fix that and his counts went up and we were really encouraged. We thought this is, you know, it's going to mm-hmm. happen. And so we waited for a while after his surgery. I think it was a little over a year and still nothing happened. And wow. so at that point we had to kind of start looking into something else. Cause we were still hopeful that it would happen right. on its own without mm-hmm. interference. Um, other than I guess the surgery is interference, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so we started working with a reproductive endocrinologist at that point. And, um, I remember making that phone call and just being so discouraged. Like mm. I cried after I got off the phone. Cause I was like, this, this makes it feel so much mm. more real. Like yeah. it's not going to happen. I don't have to get pregnant in an office with somebody putting a speculum inside mm. me and oh, wow. it's uncomfortable. And like, that was a big mental roadblock mm-hmm. for me. Like, you know, st- my our children would still be conceived with love, but it'd mm-hmm. be a whole different ballgame right. than, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. getting pregnant, mm-hmm. you know, on our own with love making. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know. Well, and I do remember when that happened and mm-hmm. the you we were in a Bible study together and you told us and all of us were like, Shara, that's so exciting. We're so happy for you. How are you feeling? And you were like not good yeah and it was just that disconnect of here we were thinking like oh this is a plan Mm -hmm. and here Shara is saying this isn't the plan this wasn't what I wanted right it was just like it was a big moment for all of us to realize oh okay so this is a lot harder than we thought it was going to be yeah and and then you explained that to us that like Mm -hmm. most people get to do it in their bedroom or whatever mm-hmm. yeah. and it's an act yeah. of love and you're like it's going to be sterile and cold and uh-huh. zach is going to be down the hallway from me and yeah. it's not anything like what i ha- had wanted or yeah. planned yeah. yeah and that so that was just that first big like mental block and mm-hmm. and at that point we still were assuming that i was you know mm-hmm. normal not that i'm abnormal but that my right. fertility was normal right mm-hmm. and so um we started with the artificial inseminations and mm-hmm. we did we did three the first year. Um, we did like February and April and May. So kind of all three pretty close together. And, um, you know, they were like, things aren't amazing. They don't look super great, but this, mm-hmm. the, you know, there's enough sperm there that we feel like this could be successful. I know the second one, they were like, things don't look so good. Yeah. But we were just like, well, we're here. I've already done all of this mess of giving myself a shot in the leg to make myself ovulate at a certain time. So let's just do it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, after the third one, 
I remember I had traveled with my sister to go see my parents in Washington and um, my my period wasn't supposed to start until we got back. And so I was like, it'll be fine. I can travel. It'll be okay. Well, then I started my period when I was there because, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it was just because it was the stress of travel or whatever, mm-hmm. but my period very rarely came early. And so it was like so devastating. And my, you know, I came out of my um, room and just like my dad um, asked how I was doing. And I just like melted down. And I just remember him Aww. holding me in the kitchen and, crying with me because he wants this so bad for me too and um yeah it was just such a hard day and I know everybody was kind of gathering around and and checking on me all day because I was kind of just in a funk um and so yeah that one that was really hard and after Mm -hmm. that I decided I need to take a break because I can't I can't do this Mm -hughm. every month (laughs) right no you know, they tell you you can do three in a row and then you need to take a short break and then you can try again. And so they were like, you know, you only have to take a break for a month or two and then we can do it again. And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't think I'm ready for that. So yeah. um, we actually waited almost a year after that because wow. I just I just couldn't. Um, and he had told me, you know, if the first three rounds don't work, we're going to get more aggressive. Mm-hmm. It's going to be more expensive. There's going to be more medications involved. So with the first three, we just had me take um, Clomid for five days. So it's just one pill a day for five days. And then I did a trigger shot like two days before okay. the insemination. And so it was pretty simple and straightforward. Well, he was like, with the next one, you're going to be doing daily injections. You're going to mm-hmm. have um, a stronger trigger shot. It's going to be a lot more involved. Um, we're going to be doing several ultrasounds during that time. So knowing all of that was coming up, I was like deer in the headlights. Like, I don't yeah. want to do that. Yeah. Like, that's so much. Mm-hmm. And so um, we decided to do it in February of the following year. Um so a lot of times when we really start trying, I want to do it in February because then I'll be off around the holidays. <laughs> we like, like to plan, yeah, don't yeah. we? Yeah, I know. Because um, then, you know, I'll have the baby in November and then I'll be off for Christmas right. and Thanksgiving yeah. and the oh. new year and all that. Yeah. And so we were like, well, let's just do it this mm-hmm. at this time. And so, um, yeah, it was it was just so involved that next time. And I, I made this whole, like... I don't know if it was a bargain with God or whatever, but um, I was like, I'm going to do whatever I can to, to like fall at your feet. And, Mm -hmm. and so I actually, um, I made a group on on Facebook Mm -hmm. of prayer warriors and I actually had somebody come either to my house or I went to their house and prayed every single day during that cycle and like just pleading with God to like make this happen. And, um, we did so much. Like I was doing acupuncture. I was doing this special like abdominal massage technique thing that, um, I had heard about from somebody else in the birth community and was like, what the heck, maybe it'll work. And so it was (laughs) like, like a hundred dollars a session or something like that. And I was just like, I don't care. We're going to throw as much money into this as we need to. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we did all of those things and I, you know, got to the the insemination day and I had been there a couple of days before and had an ultrasound done and they were like your follicles aren't ready yet I'm not really sure what's going on but let's just have you double up your meds for the next few days just Mm -hmm. use the rest of what you have Mm -hmm. and then do your trigger shot and we'll go ahead and I should have insisted on them doing another ultrasound because Mm -hmm. I don't think I ovulated until the day after we did the um Uh. and so if I I I you know, you always look back and right. wonder, yeah. but I don't think that, that I 
was ready yet. And <sighs> it was one of those, like we did it on a weekend. So, um, I think it was a Saturday morning that we went in. So it was like, you either have to do it Saturday morning or you have to wait till Monday. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of like this crunch timeline. And so I think that I just wasn't ready because yeah. we knew that I had three follicles that were pretty close to mature, but they mm-hmm. weren't there yet. And so it was like, you know, you might have three babies or no babies. It was like, right, <laughs> right. who knows? Um, and so that like two week wait was just, it was a lot of like up and down because I had somebody with me every day praying with me and praying mm-hmm. for me and yeah. um, people laying their hands on me and just like being with me in that um, waiting time. And it was so, it was this really precious time and I can still like remember all the women that, that took time out of their day to, yeah. to pour into me and to try to help me. And it was just such a sweet time. And I was so hopeful that, you know, maybe this would be it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, it's another one of those where I, I was, I went in and I delivered a baby and, um, it was somebody that I'd really hoped I would get to be there for cause we'd really mm-hmm. connected and I was really, really excited. And she, she had dealt with infertility herself. Mm-hmm. And so we talked a lot about our, our journeys and so she knew that it was coming up like about time for me to find out. And, um, so she, after she delivered the baby and they'd kind of gotten settled in, she was like, so when are you going to go get your labs drawn? And I'm like, I'm going to do it now. Like after, Aww. you know, and so we were, you know, she was like, I hope, I hope it's good news and I'll be praying for you. And so I went down after I got done kind of getting her settled in and mm-hmm. got my blood drawn. And then I was off that day since I'd been on call and I went home and just like waited for the phone call. And that afternoon they called and said, you know, we're really sorry, but your level's only 1.4. You're not pregnant. And so what do I do now? I don't, I don't understand this. And so, um, you know, we, we just kind of had poured so much into that. We weren't ready to do anything else again for a little bit. And I, at that point I was kind of getting frustrated with my care provider, um, because he, he primarily focuses on IVF. That's generally his, his biggest thing Uh probably for one, because it is, you know, more tends to be more successful and also makes him quite a bit more money. Right. Um, and so he, you know, every time I saw him, it was like, well, you know, we can just do IVF. And so, because I just was not ready for that, I started looking into other options. Mm-hmm. And I'd had several patients who had come to me that were like in their late 30s or early 40s that were like, we've been trying forever. And wow. we decided to go to an, uh, this doctor. Um, and so it's, it's a, I don't know what to call it, but when, when IVF first started, this, this technology, it's called NAPRO technology, was also starting to take off. But then IVF was so much like easier, mm. like Band-Aid approach kind of thing okay. that, that this kind of just fell by the wayside but a lot of um people of faith or catholics will Mm -hmm. use it because it's Mm -hmm. not any there's no like artificial forms of of um conception which for some people religiously is is the big deal and then for me it was just like i didn't want to be in an office getting pregnant right (laughs) so yeah um i started working with that doctor in november of um 2018 and at that point we'd been you know we were getting pretty close to the six-year mark Um, and I was so discouraged and I was just like ready for some kind of answers. Mm -hmm. And at that point it was like, this is probably beyond just Zach Mm -hmm. being an issue. And so, um, I went to him and I remember the whole way there. So they gave us all this paperwork and all of this information. And, and so I'm like filling that out on the way there and reading through like their mission and, and how they approach things and just like crying the whole way there, like 
this is what I've been waiting for. Like, yeah. this is so exciting. I'm so ready. Like I want, I want to have the opportunity to, to do anything I can mm-hmm. to conceive on my own. And so, um, that whole appointment, like it was just such a switch from what I'd been having. And, yeah. and it's one of those things like, as, as a care provider, I advocate for my patients to get what they want out of their visit. Mm-hmm. And if they have concerns or they have questions, I want those to be addressed. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that for myself. Yeah. I was seeing a provider who poo-pooed everything I brought up. I was telling him like, I don't have cervical mucus like I feel like I should mm-hmm. because when you ovulate, there right. should be a good amount of it. And I was like, I don't really get that. I don't feel like um, my periods are normal like they're mm-hmm. they're getting more and more painful and he just was like oh well don't worry about that we're gonna bypass that with the fertility treatments you don't need to worry about any of that mm-hmm. like we'll just get mm-hmm. you pregnant and it won't matter right. well then you know thousands of dollars later and two years and I still wasn't pregnant I was wow. just frustrated <sighs> and so going into that office and talking to this new doctor and him just being like so understanding and so mm-hmm. caring and just like compassionate and um I just cried the whole the whole time no. and I was like I'm so sorry and no. he's like I see this all the time like these yeah. are women that are at the end of their rope right. that are just ready to to have somebody listen to them and he just he asked me very very pointed questions and very thorough things and he was like has no one suggested to you in 6 years that you might have endometriosis and I was like well, I thought I did, but my doctor just kept saying, like, it's fine. Yeah. And he was like, all of these things that you're saying, like, were your periods, you're having, like, dark spotting before your period for days and sometimes a week, and then spotting afterwards and pain with your periods and wow. minimal cervical mucus. Like, all of these things are signs of endometriosis. And I was like, thank you for, like, Finally. Yeah, like somebody yeah. is listening yeah. to me now. And, um, he was like, okay, so you know the only way we can diagnose this is by surgery. And I was like, yeah, I know that from, you know, my training and whatever. And so I was like, I don't even care at this point. Like, mm-hmm. just do it. Yeah. And so um, we scheduled surgery for January. And um, it was just, I mean, we had multiple things that we did. It wasn't just the the laparoscopy for endometriosis. He also checked my tubes to make sure they were open, which I'd had that procedure done once before. But um, he was like, I just want to do it again just, just to, to make sure, yeah. mm-hmm. um, just based on my experience with the other doctor. He was like, I just kind of would like to do mm-hmm. it, and you're going to be asleep. You won't feel it because the first one was horribly painful. Mm. Um and so when we, we did that and then we did a, a biopsy of my uterus just to kind of see what was going on. And they did like a full exploration of my pelvic cavity. <laughs> so, um, you know, I wake up from surgery and, um, my best friend and Zach were, were with me and, um, they were like, well, it's endometriosis. He definitely mm-hmm. saw that. Um, it was, so there's between stage zero and stage four for endometriosis. Mm-hmm. Um, so stage zero is like, it's just barely there, probably won't cause you any problems. It's very rarely ever diagnosed because it's not bothering people. And then stage four is where like your entire pelvic cavity is like all scar tissue, which is horrible. And yeah, I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. But, um, so I was like between stage one and two. So there were several deposits of it. I had a few, um, and they look there, they, they look so funny because he took a lot of pictures during the Mm -hmm. surgery and he showed them to me and they have, they're like little black spots. So it almost looks like somebody took a, have you ever seen like cigarette burns where it's like Mm -hmm. those little black, it kind of looks like that, except, you know, inside your body. And so I had several spots of that and it was worse on my left side, which is where I tended to have more pain. So Mm -hmm. that all made sense. 
sense. Um, so it was like, okay, well, we've got that. We can move on. Mm-hmm. I had um, a couple of cysts like on my um, my fallopian tubes that he was like, yeah, they weren't doing anything, but I took them off. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, we were like, okay, well, this is it. Let's move on. Um, after my surgery, my periods got a lot better. They had me take antibiotics for like three weeks to like wow. reduce some kind of inflammation that was in my uterus. And that was miserable, but it was amazing the difference in my period before surgery Mm -hmm. and the one right after, like the one before I was on call, of course, on the worst day. And I remember walking down the hallway, like holding my hips because they were so painful, um, that I was, it literally felt like somebody had a vice grip on my hips and was squeezing really hard on my hips and lower back because I get lower back pain. Mm -hmm. And it was just like night and day difference with my period afterwards I was like I didn't even have any cramping I felt so good and um and then I started like noticing a lot more cervical mucus and all of this stuff that I was like waiting to see all this time so it was really really exciting and I just kept thinking okay well it's gonna happen Mm -hmm. and it just didn't and so um it had been about a year in November of 2019 um we saw him again because it was still like nothing was happening and I was doing they do a really intense charting system where you like follow all of your fertile 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 signs Mm -hmm. over your cycle and um he was kind of working with me on that. And he was like, based on what I'm seeing, you have, um, it's called a luteal phase defect. So the luteal phase is the phase between the time you ovulate and when your period starts. And so for most women, almost everybody, that's 14 days. Um, so it doesn't matter how long your cycles are. There's usually 14 days from the time you ovulate until you Mm -hmm. start your period. Mm -hmm. And so, um, mine was only eight or nine days. And so he was saying with that, Sometimes even if you do get pregnant, mm-hmm. implantation can't happen because you start shedding the lining of your uterus oh. before the baby even implants. And wow. so he was like, we, we may need to start working on that. And so I was starting to do progesterone at the end of my period mm-hmm. and it was miserable because it made me feel really pregnant and oh. it just, it kind of sucked. And yeah. I got frustrated and was like, at that point, Zach's counts had started going back down again. And I was like, what are we even doing all of this for if I'm not going to get pregnant because Zach's counts are bad? And he was like... I mean, that's, that really makes sense. So you should probably look into seeing his doctor again. And then at the same time, he had me do some more lab work, like more in-depth lab work. And we figured out that I have um, PCOS as well. And so that was like a huge blow to me. So just pile it all on. It's like, (laughs) as if my body wasn't already giving me a big middle finger, here's another one. Uh Um, And so that was in November. And I remember that was a, we did a phone visit that time mm-hmm. because he he's in Fort Wayne. So it's a two hour drive for us oh, to wow. go up there to do any consults. And he was like, why don't we just do this over the phone? I don't really have to see you for this. I don't need to do okay. a physical exam. And so we were talking on the phone and I was sitting in my bed and just like talking to him and keeping myself together. Like this is okay. And he, you know, this doctor was just so so kind and sweet. And he was like, I'm, I'm really sorry that I didn't see this with your surgery because we could have known this almost a year ago if I would have been looking specifically at your ovaries. But he was like, I just saw, I saw the endometriosis and realized that that's what you had. And I didn't even look further. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I'm, I, you know, that's on me and I'm sorry for that. And I was like to have somebody say that and, you know, be willing to, yeah. yeah, to acknowledge where they may not have done everything they could it was like that was really good to hear but then Mm -hmm. at the same time it was like 
now we've wasted almost a year. So right. Time. And so um, I hung up the phone. That was another one where I just completely lost it. And poor Zach's like trying to get to work. Right. And oh. it's like 830 in the morning. And he's like, I really need to leave, but I need to comfort my wife. Mm-hmm. And so like he held me as long as he could until he had to leave for work. And then, um, yeah, it was just one of those where I just... I kind of lost my steam because at that point I'd been really working hard to lose weight. I'd lost like 40 pounds and was really taking good care of my body and exercising and eating whole foods and no dairy and no gluten and all of this stuff that's supposed to help with fertility. Right. And I was just like, well, it's not working, so I don't care. Give me a piece of cake. Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I, I stayed on track with it somewhat through the through the winter months. But then, you know, COVID hit and I was like. I don't even care anymore. Yeah. And so now I'm back on trying to, to undo that damage. But um, yeah, so that's kind of where we are right now. The last, we did um, Zach's semen analysis again in July and his counts are lower now than what they were before he had surgery. So it's just like, mm, it's tough. so discouraging. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that's been frustrating is that we've each gotten to good places in our fertility, but just not at the mm. same time. Right. Yeah. So like when we were wasting all that time, not knowing that I had anything going on was when his fertility was actually really good for a yeah. while. Like his counts actually got to normal for a while where it was mm. like, this might actually happen, right. but we didn't have the other factors in there to know that we needed to be working on. Mm. <sighs> and then, you know, when I got to the point, like that we knew what was going on, I had been working hard to like make sure my body was in as good of shape as possible and then his stuff was not where it needed to be. So it's just mm-hmm. been this endless like roller coaster of, you know, what is going on and mm-hmm. who's who's doing what. And so, yeah, we're just we're kind of in a little bit of a discouraged state right now as far as that goes. Just like yeah. the mm-hmm. likelihood of it happening on its own with basically five hurdles in our way. Yeah, it just it doesn't look like it's going to happen without mm-hmm. some pretty significant intervention. And we've already tried the insemination. So it's like, now we got to start yeah, looking right. at really exp- expensive stuff. That's going to mm-hmm. cost a lot of money and mm-hmm. probably cost me a lot of time because I'll have to take time off work. And Ugh, that's so, so, so much. Hard. Yeah. yeah. What would you, with that being said, what would you say to anybody who is struggling through infertility today? Yeah. Um, I think really the biggest thing that's helped me is to find people that know what I'm going through Yeah, Mm -hmm. because I spent three years being pretty much alone in it because I didn't want people to know that I wasn't able to get pregnant. And I hadn't at that point been around very many people that had struggled Mm -hmm. with that because, um, people just haven't historically been very forthcoming about Mm -hmm. their infertility. Like it is almost like there's some kind of shame around it. Like somehow I'm not enough of a woman or my husband's Mm -hmm. not enough of a man to create a family. So why would we tell people about Mm -hmm. it? So I think talking to others about it that know what you're going through Mm -hmm. has been one of the most um, like healing and sustaining things for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So obviously our listeners, you can come to Yet We Thrive and you can join in communion with us, but also where can they find you, Shara? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram. It's, my handle is at Shara Midwife. Um, so it's S-H-E-R-A-H and then the word midwife. Um, and then on Facebook, I'm Shara Albright. Okay, so. yeah. 
because I know that mm-hmm. there's something to be said about connecting with somebody. I'm, I know there's a listener out there today listening mm-hmm. and nodding their head and crying because they can yeah. f- feel it and they know where you're at. Mm-hmm. And so if you guys can connect and create that community with each other, yeah, then it just makes a world of a difference. Yeah. It sure does. And, you know, when I first started trying or not trying, when I first started sharing my story, it was amazing how many people mm. sent me messages or commented on my posts about our infertility journey and just like, thank you so much for sharing. Mm. That was really something I needed to hear. Yeah. And I needed to know that I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's hard to share. It really mm-hmm. is because then now there's so many people that know yeah. that they like to mm-hmm. be in my business about it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which in some ways is really wonderful, but in some ways just not yeah. so much. Right. Uh-huh. So our Thrive Tip this month is to find hope in the small spaces. Mm -hmm. And so we're talking about that this month and what that looks like, because sometimes to find something big just feels too big. Right. And so to just find those tiny little things, putting your shoes on in the morning, that's a big step. That's a big thing. And you can find joy in that. So Mm -hmm. what are some things for you that help you find joy in just the little things? Yeah. So, um, I think, a lot of times it's just something as simple as like going outside and when it's sunny out and just putting my face up to the sun and Mm. just like feeling the warmth of the sun. Sometimes that's just like what I need in the Mm. middle of a chaotic day. Yeah. Um, cause I work in an office where I don't see the sunshine very much. Yeah. Um, And then, um, other things like, uh, you know, I've, I've created a little plant nursery and so I have all these little plants that it's just really fun to watch them grow and to feel like, you know, I'm keeping something alive. Right. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so I've been doing that a lot more, especially this year. And then, um, you know, if you've got a pet snuggling with your pet, mm-hmm. my cats, they seem to know when things are going on. Yeah. And so when I'm having a hard day, especially my cat, Aurora, she's like the sweetest thing. And she'll come up and like, at one time I was sitting and watching something that made me sad and mm-hmm. I was crying and oh. she came up and started licking my tears oh. off of my face. Oh. And then she'll just sit on my chest and just like purr and Let's just, you know, so Let's those little things mm-hmm. just like day-to-day every everyday mm-hmm. things that mm-hmm. it's not complicated it's just like where can I sit in this moment and not think about what all the last eight years has been and how, how much overwhelming stuff has happened it's just I'm here right now I'm alive there's something nice right there yes <laughs> so. yes well thank you so much Shara yeah. just for your vulnerability and sharing your story um we just love you so much and we're so excited um that you joined us today so thank you yeah it's been great to be here thank you (laughs) thanks for joining us today on the yet we thrive podcast if you enjoyed today's episode go ahead and take a screenshot to share on social media you can find us on facebook or instagram at yet we thrive or at yetwethrive.com. if our podcast has impacted you at all we would so appreciate if you would take a couple of moments to leave a review these things will help us to share the word and keep on thriving until next time